You are listening to the Sideline SAS Podcast, Episode 52, Cardinals Spring Training Check-In. In this episode of the podcast, I catch up with Cardinals right-handed pitcher Tommy Parsons and Cardinals outfielder Lars Newbar, who are down in Palm Beach at Big League Spring Training. The guys talk about their experiences with Nolan Arenado. They talk about which big leaguers they are cozying up to during the spring training, and we share some fun memories from Peoria, where both guys played for the Chiefs. We also catch up about some of their former teammates and other non-roster invites. Later in the podcast, I'm joined by Jeff Jones, the Cardinal beat writer for the Bellevue News Democrat, and he talks about the ceiling for this year's Cardinals team. But first, some housekeeping stuff. Hey guys, Emily Van Buskirk here. Welcome to the Sideline SAS podcast, a proud member of the Brawl Podcast Network. If this is your first time listening, I'm glad you found me. The Sideline SAS podcast is generally produced every two weeks just for you, and the show notes can be found on the episode page at Spreaker.com. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts, and feel free to rate and review. Let your girl know how she's doing. If you feel like getting social as well as sassy, make sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Sideline Sass with three S's. Or if you're more like my mom and prefer a wholesome connection, go ahead and like the show on Facebook. If you like what you hear and you want to see more, check out the website www.sidelinesass.com with three S's for more sports content. Feel free to follow the SAS on my personal account at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you didn't catch all that, no worries. All of those links and handles can be found in the show notes. And I'm excited to announce the addition of Sideline SAS merchandise to the brand. If you want your very own Sideline SAS dad hat, head over to the Brawl Network website and get your very own. But uh, for now, let's uh, go talk to some people. All right, guys, welcome back to the Sideline SAS podcast. Sorry, I was away for a while, took a little month off after all of that college football craziness with the Senior Bowl and Gridiron Showcase. I had to take a little break and I was moving, so a lot of things going on in life, but we are back with a new month, the month of March 2021. Cannot believe we made it here. And you know what March means? It means college basketball and it means spring training. So we're going to get to college basketball later down the road because right now I want to check in on my baseball guys. So I am joined right now on the podcast by pitcher Tommy Parsons, who I met when I was working in Peoria, starting out in the, the little low A ball there. Um, Tommy, welcome to the Sideline Toss podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> you you are so welcome. You know, it's funny when I we hadn't chatted, so we were just doing our pre-interview interview and we're catching up about all these people and stuff. I was doing some research on you to, you know, familiarize myself with what you'd been doing, and I stumbled on the story that Matt Davis wrote on you. Do you remember that one? In Peoria, back so in Peoria, two years ago. Now. Yeah, two years ago. <laughs> okay, well, I'll refresh your memory. He wrote a little story called "Flying Under the Radar," and um, everybody should check it out because it's actually Matt did a great job. He interviewed your um, college coach. Do you remember this when he talked to Frank? Yes. Or your, or no, he talked to your catcher, and then yeah, that's who it was, Frank Resto, your catcher, right? Yeah, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt like interviewed him, and he did this whole story on you, and I was reading it, and I was just like, oh my gosh, 
One of the things that comes up all the time when I look at stuff for you is the fact that you went to, you know, a small college, Adrian College. I believe it's Division Three, right? Yep. And I'm curious, like, does that question get asked to you a lot, like in interviews or when you're talking to people? Are people surprised at that fact that you went to a smaller school, you know, and, and your journey and where you are now? Yeah, people are <laughs> definitely shocked by that one. <laughs> and how do you explain it to them, like that that kind of choice or that path that you took? It just kind of comes down to in high school, I wasn't like I didn't go super hard or anything. Mm-hmm. And Adrian, I kind of went visit their school, fell in love with it, and had a buddy that went there and <laughs> decided to go with him and just kind of turned out well. <laughs> okay. But, and when you're playing in, in high school, like every b- baseball player dreams of, you know, big, big schools and major league dreams and all this stuff. So when you were in high school before you, you know, have to face reality, which we all do as college athletes, you know, about where we're going to go, where was your dream school that if you could have gone anywhere, like obviously Adrian was amazing. It worked out perfect for you. But when you were younger, did you have a place that you really wanted to play? Ohio State. Oh, Columbus. Oh, really? How did that? Okay. Okay. So huge Ohio State Buckeye, like football, basketball fan. And it just really cool to go there, play baseball and stay kind of close to home and everything and just kind of do that. Yeah. Well, where was Adrian College? Uh, Southern Michigan, so about three hours north. Okay, so that wasn't, that's not too bad. No, it was like the perfect distance where it's like, if anything happened to my family, I need to go home, hop in the car and I'm home. <laughs> that's always nice. Soon. And yeah. do you stay in if touch? Stay away, I could. Do you stay in touch with a lot of those guys? Like, obviously, um, Matt interviewed, you know, your catcher from college, but do you stay in touch with a lot of the guys that you played with there and your coaches? Yeah, all the time. I mean, I have three of my best friends in the world. I still <laughs> talk to them daily, talk to the coaches all the time. And That's awesome. I still have guys that, because of the COVID year, mm-hmm. are still playing there as seniors and everything, so... I keep in touch with a lot of people from there. That's awesome. Is it crazy to have, like, do your coaches, are they surprised, not surprised, but, like, are they excited for you that you've gotten this far? And, like, is anyone just like, damn, Tommy Parsons, like, did did we know this was going to happen? <laughs> They're definitely surprised. I yeah. Mean, coach Rainey, the head coach, he's he always has his guys' backs and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just he was always supportive of me and then the other two guys now that are in Pro Bowl. We have a few more coming, I think, from nice. this year. And, it's more expectations now of some of us that's just like all right they can do this like yeah and that's kind of how it's worked out to be with them (laughs) putting adrian on the map i love it um exactly people starting to know where where that is and what it's about so you you and i met in 2019 in peoria that's where you started that season after being in the appy league in that first year and peoria is as i've talked about on many of my podcasts a very unique place it's Probably not where a minor ball minor league ball player wants to be for their whole career, which is understandable. <laughs> and you got out of there pretty quickly. I believe you were the first guy that was called up, right? Yeah, just I think just like on a month exactly, just around that time. That's crazy. And it was kind of after I believe. Didn't you throw a complete game, and that was right before that? No, I threw a complete game. I know you threw one with Peoria, didn't you? Yeah, I think it was my fourth start, then my fifth start. Okay. We had double headers for all like the snow we had. And oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and I had thrown, I was throwing the first game. I threw five innings in like fifty something pitches. So I'm sitting there, I'm on the or something, and he said, "You're done." And I went, "Not a good joke." Like, no, I'm not. Like, he's like, "No, you're actually done." Like, we need to get guys work. 
but it was because they had the plan to call me up in a few days. They didn't want to. You didn't know that there. though. And so you were, you wanted to keep going. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> Kale, the pitching coach, they ended up explaining it to me a few days later. I'm like, once they told me I was going to call up, you went, and that's why you had done after five. Oh, okay. Like, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> and that's funny because I took a video. I remember that game because I took a video of you and you were in the handshake line, you know, talking to Almonte and you said something to him, like, yeah, I, you said something and I, I caught it on video and you guys were like laughing about it. And now that makes so much sense as to why that all happened. Yeah, that's- he didn't tell me right then or anything. It was just like, I think I was still giving a crowd because we ended up winning the game. Right. And I think Escobar might have came in for those next two innings. Oh, yeah, I did. did well. But I just remember coming back to my phone after and getting like texts from like my girlfriend, my dad, everybody being like, are you hurt? Why did <laughs> you leave? <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know you were going to be on your way to Palm Beach, and then you spent yes. not very long in Palm Beach either before you headed to Springfield. What was the transition like between those, you know, three levels? Um, so the one to Palm Beach was pretty quick. It was yeah. I was here for like a weekend, and then we were on the road for a week, so I didn't really find a place to live while I was on the road. <laughs> Luckily, we had a family friend let me stay at their condo, like 45 minutes away from the field, which isn't fun, but... <laughs> Life of a minor league baseball player. People have no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's finding housing is one of the hardest parts, and then right at the All-Star break, I was going to pitch the night before, and the game got canceled due to a possible rain and everything. Right. And I'm out and get a call and just, hey, you're going to Springfield. Oh, Okay. <laughs> And that's where you you finished out, but you, you did go up to Memphis at one point, right? They called you up? Yeah, so I did most, like, the majority of the second half of the season in Springfield. Mm-hmm. And then the final weekend, that Friday night, I pitched in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Again, at Iowa for Memphis because the big club had, I think, a doubleheader the next day, so they needed to call Cabrera up. Oh, okay. And he was on my start night, so I had that spot. Okay. And that was exciting. Yeah, that was fun. Except for gave up back to back home runs for <laughs> a whole grand slam, then a home run the next pitch. But Well, it's a little happens. it's <laughs> different. Yeah. It's an adjustment, you know, um, going from but that's a lot of transition to have in just one year, you know. So um and then you finish out and then we hit this pandemic and what do you guys, what did you do? Like after the season ended and you're going through your normal off season stuff and then you realize like we're not going to have, they're not going to be a season. How did you process that? And like, what did you do to maintain? So once we got sent home from spring training last year, mm-hmm. I was doing the lockdown, obviously following all the protocols and everything. Like mm-hmm. was just in the living room with my dogs and my girlfriend just doing like a workout like <laughs> that I could do body weight wise. Yeah. And then... Once that got lifted, I had, like, a week in the gym before my girlfriend ended up testing positive for COVID, so I shut back down. Oh, no. <laughs> two and a half weeks. I never tested positive, uh-huh. which was Interesting. very strange. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but then once we got kind of through that, we just kind of – I still did, like, all my training stuff in the morning. And yeah. Whether it was golf or her mom lives up on a lake, so we go up to the lake every now and then on mm-hmm. the weekends. So just kind of – Just, like, normal life. <laughs> yeah, not like normal, like pandemic. But normal. pandemic like, normal, yeah. We're with family, like going on a lake, or like we're golfing with family and friends, like just 
the stuff you really can only do during quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like an extended off season. Like you, you guys really yeah. had this time to reconnect with family and be with your loved ones, which, cause during the season, it's such a grind. You're on the road so much. You can barely keep up with everybody. So that part of it, like, I know a lot of you guys were missing baseball and everybody kept post- posting that, you know, that they were missing it, but it must've been nice to kind of reconnect in that way, at least. Yeah, it was definitely great because then, my girlfriend, she loves dogs and everything. She yes. got us into like a fostering group. So we started to foster and ended up adopting the third <laughs> dog we fostered. Oh my goodness. And now I, and that the... little puppy we got is now 90 something pounds and just uh, is a little horse for us <laughs> in our apartment. <laughs> that is, that has happened to me. I adopted a Great Dane uh, puppy we didn't know and it turned out to be huge. So, yeah. you know, you love them either way. But I saw Nicole had raised money, you know, for animal shelter or something like that you guys did cycle what was that about that was awesome yes yeah, so she is now on like the board and runs their social media and everything because we have a two-bedroom apartment we already had the dog she got in college uh-huh. plus miley the one we adopted last year mm-hmm. so she her way of helping out then was raising money so she started cycling and everything once the gyms opened back up yeah and she got to know some of the instructors and the people that work there and they helped her set up a fundraiser and then so Nobody had to pay to do it, but anybody that paid to do it, it was just a donation straight to them. And oh, it's awesome. She was raising just over $1,000, and it was awesome. She was super proud, and I'm proud of her for it. I know. I, I was following that journey on Instagram. It was so cool to see you guys do all your things with your dogs. I bet she can't wait for Bark in the Park if that ever happens again. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, <laughs> yes, that happened in Springfield. She was able to bring Cardi, her dog, uh-huh. or our dog, her first dog in Springfield, but... So that was fun. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I kept meaning to get to Springfield. Didn't quite make it. But um, hopefully, you know, I'll get I'm going to try and come out to one of the ones that you guys are all. It's hard to keep track of everybody. And speaking of spring training now, you guys are in Florida. And this year, there's quite a few familiar faces from the Chiefs. They're with you. What has it been like reuniting with guys and and seeing them all again um, in this major league setting? It's been cool because we haven't seen each other since really <laughs> September of 2019. So it's like, yeah, me and Lars like talked every now and then. Uh-huh. Or, like Gorman, all of us, like we'd every now and then like message each other, Instagram, whatever it was. But it was never like you didn't get to see them. Right. Because they live on every list in different places. Now it's just like just hanging out again. Not hanging out at the clubhouse, <laughs> but like talking, reconnecting, being like, what's your not to, man? Like that kind of stuff, which has been fun. <laughs> What have you seen change? Because we're going to get to your game in a second, but having known some of these guys for a while, you know, the time that you've been in the program and you guys coming up together, what have you seen change? I know we talked about Delvin Perez, you know, him coming into camp, like a much, much bigger guy than he was just two years ago. Besides that, what have you seen change in guys like Lars Newbard, Nolan Gorman? And and I think um, the uh, Soto is there, right? The catcher? Yeah, Soto's here. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. What? Anyways, but have you seen changes in these guys? Yeah, Delvin was the <laughs> most obvious one because he put on a bunch of weight. And mm-hmm. like, as I told you like, before we started recording, like, yeah, I shagged his BP today, and it was just like home run after home run, <laughs> ball off the fence. Like, and I was just like, I even said something to him in the clubhouse, and he was just like, yeah, bro. <laughs> like, in his little <laughs> yep. Delvin, like, laid back. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But... 
He's pumped about that. Um, is he still? I gotta ask because because like he was always fast. You know, he led in like stealing stolen bases and whatnot. And but power hitting was like kind of the concern for him. Now that he's got that power, is he still pretty quick? Yeah, he's still smooth. So fast, field, okay. so quick, everything. He's still able to just <laughs> just bigger yeah, power behind the ball now. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, what about Lars? How's Lars doing? Lars is doing good. Um, I haven't really got to see a lot of them because they do have us in, like, pods, kind of. So, okay. Like, you kind of stay in your pod of, like, guys you run around the fields with. Okay. But, like, during live VPs, I've been seeing Lars, and he was doing good. Um, I saw him after his physical. He had to face some guys throwing, like, upper 90s, and him <laughs> and a few of the guys were just like, well, that's just not fun. <laughs> Day Aww. one, we're stepping in the box. But yeah. other than that, he's been doing good. Like, I've seen him take good BP and everything. Good. And, He's been playing well in the field from what I've seen. Have you pitched to Soto at all or no? Um, I did in 2018 because okay. he was in Johnson City with me. Right, right. I haven't yet this year. Okay. I have two Herrera, though. Well, how's Ivan doing? People people don't realize, like, he's the baby of the group, the young kid. And he always – he's quiet, so he kind of acts a little bit older than everybody. But he, he was always a little baby. How has he been? He's good. He's still Herrera. He's still just <laughs> – Kind of the baby, but like he's not as much of a baby anymore. No, he's growing up. Oh boy. Yeah. He's a serious guy, though. He takes it, he's very quiet, you know, which scares a lot of people. Like when I first met him, I thought he was definitely (laughs) scary, but like he's actually hilarious when he opens up and is funny, you know? But he's such a difference from like Delvin and Lars, different personality. Yeah, way different. And what I've noticed from him is he's, he is serious. Like, yeah. He gets his work done. He's, He's always, it seems like he's always on, like, Yachty's hip. He's trying to learn everything he can from Yachty, which is... That's awesome. you want to do as a catcher. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% someone you want to emulate, for sure. And speaking of people like Yachty or Molina, what is it like to be in this training camp with all of these big names, guys that you've watched? And, and you mentioned wanting to watch Adam Wainwright pitch today. Um, is there a, a guy in particular that you're trying to kind of do the same with and, and hang around and... and get wisdom from and watch like that any of the guys that i can really like <laughs> yeah. i know we're having like because they have us all spread out through the clubhouse and everything so like last year in camp like me and some of the guys just sitting there we could overhear a conversation between flarity and wainwright and everything and just kind of like over here now they're doing like meetings where mm-hmm. we can sit there and ask questions with the veteran guys and get a learn from them, which is awesome so it's been like wainwright uh Miles Michaelis, mm-hmm. Miller, Yacht, everybody. Like, yeah. you know, super cool about opening up and helping us out any way they can. Who has been, like, the funniest? There's always, like, that guy that's kind of, you know, hilarious in the clubhouse. Who has been that that big league guy um, so far in spring training? So far, the one that has been getting a lot of attention is Tyler Henneman, okay. the catcher we just signed, uh-huh. because he does magic, like, card magic tricks, and it's just, like... What? If you see him get a deck out, you're like, all right, I need to kind of watch see what happens. Because all of a sudden, like, you'd be like, is this your card? And it's in his mouth. And you're like, how did he? No way. Like, sleight of yeah, hand, like, pick a card magic. Yes. Like, <laughs> unbelievable type of magic. Like, like it's so good that you're not even going to tease him about it. It's that good. Like, it's legit. Yeah. Like, people are joking. Like, if we ever play poker or cards or anything, you can't play. You're too good with, like, uh, yeah. making us not see stuff. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Did, did you found out, like, did he get into that young? Has he always done that? Or is it just something he picked up? A little bit of both. I okay. think he said it was his 
uncle when I talked when he told us about it. Uh-huh. Like his uncle was kind of into it, but then so he did some like handful ones. So when he went down to play winning ball one time, he said like, mm-hmm. "Guys, we acted crazy." Because he did like a sample trick and he goes, oh, and he started like watch YouTube videos. He's sitting now as a hundred tricks or something. He's like a magician. Okay. That's something we would never know. You know what I mean? From the outside, being able to, to see that. Well, when you've been talking to these guys and, and picking their brain, is there something that you in particular are trying to pick up for your own game and something that you've been working on with your pitching? Um, I've just been kind of asking questions about like how they go about their bullpens and mm-hmm. how they go about like... Because I've always been a fan of baseball, but like, so we now have Nolan Arenado. It's like, oh, he's yeah. real good. It's like, but it's like a, I'm 25, so I grew up watching some of these guys. I'm like, I mean, if I have to go face the Yankees, <laughs> like, you got Aaron Judge, Cleveland Toys, it's like, how do you, like, prepare that? Yeah. And like, Mike Trout, something like that. Like, how do you get over, like, the mental factor of that? And they've been helping me with, like, you just got to humanize them, let them know, like, Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. And he still gets out seven out of ten times. Like, yeah. You just got to think that way. Yeah. And just kind of go at him. And then you just got to be careful of, like, if you are facing a guy like Trout, like, if you make a mistake, he's going to hit it. He's yeah. Like, so they're the ones you got to really, like, key in on and making sure when you miss, you don't you miss not to his spot. In your game in particular, is there something like that you've worked on? Are you taking that into consideration? Like you're going to try and be more careful, try and make less mistakes. Have you been working on like, you know, um, spotting where you need the ball to go or your velo or any of that? Is there one particular aspect that you've really been honing in on of your game? Yeah. I've just, I've just been trying to throw like each pitch better to the spot instead of like, because in 2019, one of my biggest problems was giving up home runs because if I missed for the fastball, I'd miss it over the plate instead right. of off the plate. Right. So that's where I've been working on it. Uh, I have a lot of conversations with Dakota Hudson about all that stuff because he can't pitch right now. So he's always kind of around, like, watching. Okay. So he's very approachable and got to meet him last year. So he was always – he's yeah. always been very helpful to some of us. That's awesome. Well, location is kind of your thing. So that's why I was curious if – if that plays into it. And one of the things that people call you is a pitcher's pitcher. Have you ever heard that? No, I actually <laughs> Somebody, well, actually a writer of, of someone that I know um, that's done stories on you, he called you that. And I thought that was really interesting because I didn't fully understand what it meant. You know what I mean? But after reading his quotes about it, he talks about, you know, that your location and your spotting is kind of your strength as opposed to kind of all the flashy metrics that people look at regarding velo and everything else. But you had really never heard that being called that. I've always been told it's more of like the Greg Maddox. Like yes, he does compare you to rather than yeah. like, you don't have the Jordan Hicks, you can throw 102. Right. How do you reconcile that when you're around guys like Hicks and people that can throw, you know, absolute heat like that and knowing what you bring to the table and what they bring to the table? I just kind of, you can't really compare yourself to other people when <laughs> they're not like the same as you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's just kind of like just trying to do what I do best and continue working on what I do and just try and pick things up from them that I can, whether it's through their mechanics, how they mm-hmm. hold the ball, whatever it is, but yeah. just trying to stay true to who I am. That's awesome. What's uh, Arenado been like? Have you interacted with him at all? I've had two interactions with him. One was our very first intake testing day with COVID. Uh-huh. I sat down at the table to do my COVID testing. He was the one standing across from me. I just said, hey. <laughs> but that was it because it's, we're doing testing. And stuff. Right. And then after I pitched on Sunday, mm-hmm. 
I asked him, I was like, you almost had that because Robles smoked one to him at third. And mm-hmm. he looked at me and I thought I had it, dude. <laughs> but other than that, I haven't really seen him because hitters and pitchers, like, we're yeah. kind of in pods right now. And, yeah. like, besides for the team defensive work, which lasts 10, 15 minutes, you don't really yeah. see each other if you're not in the same clubhouse. It's crazy because even, even though y'all are still together, it's still COVID, you're still apart in, in so many ways. And that's that's got to be so hard. Yeah, it is. It's just weird knowing like there's certain places you can walk in the facility, certain places you can't. Like, mm-hmm. Always got to have your mask on because you just you never know who outbreak you... like last right. year. Yeah, exactly. It's when it all shut down. It's crazy. Um, how's how's Nolan Gorman? The good old, you know, we call him Old Gormy um, because he was like <laughs> like an old man, you know, in in Peoria. But how's he doing? He's good. He's still hitting like he always does. And <laughs> yeah. I've seen him getting some reps now at second base because they did trade for Arenado, so that way he has more versatility. But yeah, he's still Gorman, still <laughs> who he is. Still ducking me in media responsibilities forever. I was like, I told the <laughs> I told the Cardinals guys, I was like, good luck getting him to do a video because he hates it. So <laughs> Yeah, he's got his buddy now from Arizona, Libertor, with us today. Right. So maybe he'll loosen up a little more. Be more fun. Yeah, he a little bit, but he's still business. Yeah, business going man kind of like shows up to the field, gets his work in, gets everything in that he needs to do, and then just kind of golfs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the golf. That's right. Well, and you said you picked you picked up golfing. So are you pretty good now? Like, where where are you at golf wise? I really golf with like my dad and my brother, who are both like very good. Okay. So I don't, like I shoot. Bogey golf is what I try and shoot for, maybe a little bit under that, but okay. don't try and do anything too crazy. Yeah. Well, I always said that baseball players, especially pitchers, would be natural golfers just because the swing is not, you know, the arm motions for all the things are not terribly different, and it's all about placement, really, you know, and keeping your eye on the ball, so... You guys would be good at it. You'll have to come out to Pebble, where I live sometime, and golf. I know Lars golfs too, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I know he's more of like... When we did the interview in Springfield together with you, <laughs> yeah. that he said he's just going to go surf and stuff <laughs> when he gets home after the long season. Yeah, that's true. He's a typical beach guy. That reminds me, I was watching Brady Whalen's mic'd up the other day, again, for old time's sake. And that those were him and Brendan Donovan, like all those guys. That was such a, a fun team to be a part of, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, there was always just stuff going on in the clubhouse. It was yeah. just like whether it's playing cards, somebody's people bringing video games in and playing it sometimes if they knew like you're supposed to snow or something that yeah. day, like I just need something to kill time like <laughs> there was just always something going on there was they would prank each other a lot Delvin and, Br- and Brady were hilarious like they would it was never a dull moment that between and then having Almonte in the mix who's kind of a kid like himself the way he yeah. plays around so it was it was a it was a very special year um even though you know the team wasn't didn't do as well. It was fun to be a part of that with everybody. So definitely good times. Definitely was. Definitely <laughs> always fun in that clubhouse and especially with El Monte and mm-hmm. all of them. It was just never a dull moment. Could never turn you back on anything. <laughs> never know what was gonna happen. Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, thank you so much for catching up. It was really good to talk to you. It's been way too long and I'm enjoying watching, you know, you tear it up in, in the spring training and I can't wait to see where you end up this next year and we'll definitely I'll be out at a game and, and check it out. So can't wait. Awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you for having me, Greg. It's always great catching. Stay tuned. We have more baseball, spring training, Cardinal stuff coming up next. All right, guys, that was Tommy Parsons, pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. He is having a heck of a showing out there in Palm Beach, Florida at spring training, including the strikeout that he just had today, which apparently was so impressive that I got texts from both Jeff, and now I'm talking to one of his teammates. Who is joining me on the podcast right now? Lars Nupar, welcome to your first ever Sideline Sass podcast episode. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. Oh my God, that was, that's the kind of energy we need on this podcast, so like, that's... <laughs> You sounded like your brother there for a minute. Did I? A little bit. Sounded like I'm Nigel. Getting I'm getting older and mature. That's why. <laughs> oh, so Nigel's maturer than you? He's more mature? Uh, uh, yeah, I would say so. I would definitely say so. Okay. All right. Well, and for those of you that don't know Lars, he is a baseball player for the St. Louis Cardinals organization, and we met when he was playing in Peoria, which unfortunately did not last as long as I would have liked. You, Lars moved up very quickly in 2019 and went away from us, but his brother Nigel came out and visited and we got to know them. Southern California kids, how was that last year with the Cardinals after you left Peoria? Was that like a whirlwind kind of moving your way through the ranks? Yeah, I mean, it kind of was, uh, you know, we talked briefly at the end of the season, me and you did, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool being able to just go to Palm Beach, play there, obviously adjust to that kind of game. Mm -hmm. And then, and then after that, um, go up to Springfield and then finish the season there. And it was nice too, because I got like a, it was, it was broken up pretty evenly with my season about how many games I played at each place. So yeah. being able to just like go there, settle in, play well, and then go and then, you know, move to another place and then kind of do the same thing, rinse and repeat and do that. Um, it was cool. And also for me, just like meeting the guys, seeing how everybody works, yeah. meeting different people in the organization, guys like that, you know, things like that. That's, that was pretty cool for me. Absolutely. And, and without throwing any favorites, like obviously every organization in the Cardinals is great and has their, you know, ups and downs and good things and bad things. But did you have a favorite, you know, city that you were in during that time? Like between, I mean, it's probably going to be Palm Beach, I'm going to guess, because that's Florida, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, though, when I was in Springfield, Springfield. it wasn't bad. Okay. Because, because I wasn't there for the beginning. Obviously, me and you were, were shoveling snow at the beginning <laughs> of the Peoria season, yeah. so that wasn't great. But obviously, you know, we were with Almonte and all those guys, so mm -hmm. that was a lot of fun. Palm Beach was, was a lot of fun because the guys were, you know, I knew them from spring training and all that stuff. I played with a couple of them in state college. Um, yeah. And then uh, Springfield, like I said, Springfield was awesome too yeah. because it felt like, you know, just like a step up from everything else in terms of like facilities and where we were going and, and, and the competition. So yeah, um, loved all of them, honestly. <laughs> met, met obviously a lot of a lot of good people, lifelong, lifelong friends, but um, they were different, but enjoyed all of them. Did you love that mic'd up that we did with Brady Whalen? That was probably one of my favorite things besides your new bar commercial, which will never air. It but air though. I, know. I, I, I left a week we were supposed to be filming. <laughs> we're trying, you know what? I'm still working on pitching it. You know, I've talked to the Cardinals media guys about it. Like 
you know, Chris Trudeau and those guys, and they really like the idea. So I'm still pitching it out there that we're one I day, we'll I get it done. It. We, need to, we need to push that. We need to push that. <laughs> but besides that, I thought the mic'd up with Brady Whalen, where he revealed that he is a romantic comedy fan, was hilarious. Yes, I, I know. I did see that. I did see that. Brady was a good guy to do it, too, because <laughs> as we, as me and you know, he's a good a big personality and yeah. so it's, it's always good to do that and I like I like the idea I like the creativity that's what I did miss in Palm Beach was the uh, not to give any credit to you but was the uh, social media <laughs> and all the media fun things that we did down there we did have a lot of fun and that's honestly yeah, it's the best part of minor league baseball is the kind of fun that you have there but now you're in this different environment very right. very different you're in a big league camp you're you're starting spring training and, and you're definitely getting some attention I've been hearing about it other people have been hearing about it Jeff Jones later on the podcast is going to talk about it but how has this experience been for you so far um, out there at spring training honestly it's been it's been pretty unbelievable uh, it's been eye-opening for sure mm-hmm. um, Obviously, everybody knows that we just recently signed Nolan Arenado. Yep. So being able to see a guy like that, you know, work every single day. Have you had uh, any interactions with him yet? Yeah, I mean, brief, brief interactions, mm. you know, like just just seeing him and, and stuff like that. But also a guy like that, you know, you kind of just stand back and watch, you know, just because, you know, you want to see how he works and you respect his time and you respect his, you know, his place. But he's, he's such a good guy and, and you're able to go up and talk to him. And so, yeah, I have I have had brief conversations with him, but also like a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, he, you know, I, I was able to sit down and talk to him and he actually messaged me. And the next day we had breakfast and sat down and just talked about hitting. And, and he's obviously, a you know, a legend in the game. Yeah. And being able to just, you know, listen to him and, and kind of take things from him has been awesome. And then obviously everybody knows, you know, Yadier Molina. <laughs> Um, yeah. And those are just three guys to name a few. Everybody, you know, everybody's obviously in a big league for a reason. And now that I'm able to see it every single day, kind of, you kind of understand why they're there, how they got there. And, yeah. uh, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and, and try to try to try to see where you where you differ and, and how you can improve and how you can, you know, tie some of the loose ends that that you're missing in your own game. So uh, being able to do that for me has been the best part. Well, I heard that you've been hitting, you know, that was always a strength for you. And well, that and taking pictures with your tongue out, that's definitely your, your other. <laughs> that has not changed, by the way. <laughs> that has not changed. We, we have talk, our, our team photographer and like 80% of my pictures are like action shots. So like, eight, so like all 80% of those have my tongue out. So I like to attribute has- it to the fact that you're just concentrating really hard there in the outfield on catching these balls. Like that's what it is. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can't knock my concentration. That's for sure. Exactly. That's gotta be something you learned at good old USC. I'm assuming. It actually, it actually started way before that, even like youth basketball, like when I was in like third grade, <laughs> when I first, when I first learned that, because we, I played at like the local teen center and so they had like, you know, like the high school, whoever was working the teen center was taking pictures and sure enough, even back then I had my tongue out. We're going to have to get Mama Nupar to dig out some pictures of you. Oh, don't, oh, we have some. Don't worry. If you want some, we got I it. want them because I think it'd be fun to do a transformation Thursday or Tuesday <laughs> where you have a progression of you playing different sports with your tongue hanging out. <laughs> like, I was going to say a not so transformative picture, but yeah, that. <laughs> Just the the progression of the tongue, like we'd have to we'd have to see how it. Yeah, we could definitely we could definitely do that. 
good. I think that would be fun. Well, you mentioned Yadier Molina, obviously GOAT, greatest of all time at that position. And from what Tommy said, Ivan Herrera, another guy that you played with in Peoria, has been uh-huh. just attached to Yadi's hip, learning as much as he can. Have you noticed that out there? Yeah, I call I call Herrera uh, Yadi's son. That's what <laughs> I call Herrera. He's, he's attached, which, you know, absolutely hats off to him, which is respect because yeah. why why wouldn't you? You yeah. know, you have the, like you said, the greatest of all time at that position. Um, and a guy that just mentors so many young players, you know, all the catchers in our organization, whenever they get a chance, Yadi's always, you know, so willing to just, teach them anything that he can try to try to compete with them and then but also bring them along and so a guy like Herrera who's obviously has such a bright future yeah um he's always you could always see that he's he's trying to learn as much as he can when he's got his time with Yachty and we also have Delvin Perez one of my favorites of the group that we had in Peoria Delvin kind of a misunderstood guy because yeah he's hilarious but you know he's quiet if you don't know him and and his antics are you have to understand that he's just playful at heart but some people he's a little misunderstood but he came to camp a good I want to say 40 pounds heavier maybe give or take and yeah yeah right around 40 what what has that been like watching his transformation uh, it's been unbelievable, and you'd be honestly, you'd be so proud of him just to see where he's come from from that 2019 season yeah. to where he is now. Not only physically, but mentally. Like I, I almost me and me and my roommate Scotty Hirsch. Yeah. Um, obviously, me me and Scotty are good buddies, but um, Scotty's never played with Delvin, so oh. <laughs> we were we're all three of us were in the hotel, and and so Delvin, you know, we're we're driving the the field, or we're seeing each other in the hotel and whatnot. We're having conversations. I'm with Delvin almost every day. Yeah. Just seeing the way he's matured throughout this past year and a half, two years, has been unbelievable. And um, from when I first met him in State College, I wasn't even there in the GCO with him. But from when I met him in State College to where he is now, yeah, it, it's been unbelievable. And then physically, obviously, he gained so much weight yeah. that he's able to do so much more now. I heard his hitting is just because he struggled with that in Peoria. The hitting was like his biggest frustration. And one of the things he told me is like he could not put on the weight and get it to stay on. He was really frustrated with that. So clearly he figured it out and now he's hitting. But I asked Tommy, I was like, is he still the fast base dealer that we know and love? He is. Honestly, it's it's pretty crazy, too, because he's, he's still, like, flexible. You know, he's like that crazy, crazy athlete that yeah. he was in Peoria, but he's still... He still has all of that, but he just gained a lot of muscle. So I don't know, I don't know what it is. Yeah. but he's just a freak. And then now, you know, now it's starting to come together physically and then mentally. So I'm, I'm super pumped, and I'm super excited for him to have a breakout year this year. I like to think it was the birth of his child, kind of bringing him to this reality and like growing him up a little bit. And now he's like this dad, and he has to take everything because he was a fun, playful guy, and he wasn't always as serious as he could have been, but he definitely seems more dialed in now, which is, is, is weird to think about. Like, I don't know if I would recognize him if I saw him. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. And it's, it's crazy too, because he's, he's all business and, and you're right. Honestly, that could have been an eye opening thing for him. Yeah. Um, and, and we've had talks too. And, 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 and he talks about himself in the past, like it's a different person. Like he was, he was a different guy back then. And, and he looks at himself now as a completely different guy. And so for me, it's, it's, it's super cool to see, um, you know, like I said, how he's matured yeah. and just him being able to talk about his faults and talk about his immature actions in the past where he understands that he accepts that that's who he was and then he wants to change. And now he's completely different. So 
Um, I'm like I said, I, I'm super excited, <laughs> and I know he's gonna have a great year. Well, I'm glad that you guys are all there together because that really just warms my heart to see everyone moving up. But you've been getting some attention for your hitting as well. What have you noticed in a different way from these lower levels that you've played at? And now you're in this big league camp with guys that are probably throwing high 90s. Um, It's faster, right? And it's taking more concentration. How have you adjusted to that game? I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of the same thing as anything else, you know, for me, like coming from high school, going to college, obviously it was a big jump there and you kind of just adjust to the speed of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I'm the first one to admit that the first week, you know, week I was here, I was a little sped up. <laughs> I haven't played a game, you know, since September of 2019. Yeah. So that was an adjustment for me, but um, just kind of, like I said, talking to the older guys and, and seeing where they are mentally and how they prepare and um, how they've been successful for so long trying to add some of those things to my game um, has definitely helped me. And then, you know, like I said, just repetitions and and kind of diving into it and, um, you know, just competing basically. Yeah. And besides Goldie, is there someone else that you've kind of been watching and emulating when it comes to hitting or fielding or any of that stuff, someone that you're trying to glom on to their, you know, play and their wisdom? I mean, not one per- person specifically, I wouldn't say, but all the outfielders, honestly, are pretty are, are really open and they're really good guys. And and uh, Schilty and, and, and the coaching staff does a good job of, of having us integrate with the outfield, with the older outfielders nice. too. And then um, we signed a couple older guys. And so being able to just talk to all of them has been really nice. They're real open to talk. Um, so those guys, and then offensively, obviously, I can just pick from any of the guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, really, that the, the line is pretty, pretty ridiculous. So, um, so I wouldn't say anything, anybody specifically. Okay. I'm just getting pieces, bits and pieces from everybody. That's awesome. How have you interacted with Harrison Bader much? Because he seems like quite the character. I mean, you're always seeing him on the social with his outfits and, and such, but he seems like a very big personality. Yeah, he is. He is a big personality, and and uh, one of the it's funny that you were talking about Brady being mic'd up. One of the practices, he was mic'd up too. Oh no! So we, uh, yeah, so we kind of had to watch what we were saying a little bit. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, he seems like he seems like a big personality. You know, he's a fun guy. Obviously, great ball player. And then you see what he you know what he's wearing. He's always you know, he's always got some 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 sort of outfit going. Him and him and Jack are kind of up there with yeah. Uh, with with the fits for sure they are are you gonna get are you gonna get some fashion tips maybe from these guys like a little- I, I have to i know i have to jack's jack's on another but also what i will say is their bank accounts are a little bit different than <laughs> so so that's that's part of it but yeah no, see but this yeah. is why we should talk to them about doing a fashion budget you know, seminar for guys yeah, that, right. <laughs> you know, a little, a little, a little mini series, like balling on a budget. Like you can look like this too, but you just got to do it smart. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, um, Jordan Hicks is like that too. He's always on point with his, his stuff. Yeah, he is. He is all those guys, honestly, a lot, <laughs> a lot of them are. And, and, and I got to give credit to my roommate too, Scotty. Okay. Scotty's got a little drip on him too. So I got to give credit where credit's too. Well, nobody has more drip than Carlos Martinez. If we remember when he came to Peoria, that was quite a fun weekend getting to see him pitch in front of fans and then, you know, being around him in the dugout and taking pictures and you got to wear his chain, which was incredible. So what is it? Have you talked to him? Yes. Yes. Actually, the first day I saw him, I, I mean, I hadn't seen him since yeah. since that time that he rehabbed and he recognized me immediately. <laughs> uh, we talked, we, we talked a little bit. Obviously, he was super good with all of us. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you could you could see him from the parking lot with all those chains and all the drifts too. <laughs> that was some, that was something that I think me and you both remember. Oh yeah, that was probably one of my favorite weekends. Um, oh, because your sure. brother was out for that weekend too. Yeah, 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 yeah. My brother and my buddy Connor. Um, That's right. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. That was the whole that was the whole weekend. I. I I look back on that and it's a good time, but it was weird how that season kind of ended. And then, you know, you had this long time before you even saw baseball field again now. So during that last year where, you know, we had COVID and everyone's in quarantine, how did you stay? I'm assuming you were down in Southern California with your family and Uh we talked about how you started to play golf, but, and so maybe talk a little bit about the hobbies that you picked up and how you managed to keep staying in baseball shape throughout it. Yeah. I mean, I was obviously we went out to spring training and mm-hmm. then we were here for like two days and then we got shut down. So we went back out and through that whole time, I was basically I was <laughs> like two months, me and a buddy and then one of our other friends who works at a hitting facility in mm-hmm. Washington. His place got shut down, so we came down to Southern California to his parents' place yeah. and we were basically sneaking onto the USC campus, sneaking in and <laughs> like hopping a fence and sliding in through these gates to get into the cages. And we would just stay there for like hours on end. We'd oh get there goodness. in the morning and just stay there. And we'd bring meals and do all that. So we were doing that for about like two, three months. Mm-hmm. And then officially, when the minor league season got shut down, yeah, uh, we kind of shut it down a little bit because we didn't want, you know, we wanted to save our bullets, save our right. swings and do things like that. And was that hard? Like, do you remember that moment when you guys got that news? Like, was that really hard to hear? Was that really frustrating, disheartening? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, we had, like, we had an idea that it was going to happen, but mm-hmm. when the news officially came out, it was definitely, definitely tough because I just personally wanted to build off the season yeah. I had before and just keep it going. But uh, putting everything into perspective, you kind of realize, you know, okay, well, there's bigger things going on. So yeah. you try to kind of accept that and then try to move forward. And that's what that's what I did. And uh, my parents made me get a big boy job, so I had to do that. <laughs> and Love uh, it. But I also picked up, like you said, I picked up golf, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the beaches, for the most part, were open. There yeah. was a little small, There was a short period where they weren't, but the beaches were open. And then uh, I got a, a semester of school under my belt, too. Nice. nice. So, Good job. So, yeah, so I tried to be as productive as I could during the downtime but yeah. would definitely rather have been playing baseball. It's crazy to see the difference between California and Florida, is it not? <laughs> it is insane, <laughs> the difference. Especially yeah. Southern California and, like, yeah. me being in, like, the heart of L.A., basically. Yeah. Like, we were, we were getting, like seeing a human being without a mask. Yeah. Like crazy. And then now, it's, so, it's so nice. I feel like like a kid in a candy store. I literally take my COVID test. I get a negative and I'm able to just like run around on the field and like burn energy. It's so nice. I love it. And the Cardinals, uh, they had some issues with it, you know, at the end of last year. So they're being very, very cautious this year in camp. And Tommy was talking a little bit about, you know, how when he's not pitching, he can't even be at the park to watch the games, which is frustrating, but it's keeping everybody safe. So how has this spring training been different than any other baseball experience you've had, particularly because of COVID? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like when we're inside, we're wearing masks, and then we're trying to social distance as much as as much as we can yeah. responsibly. Um, but for example, like today, I wasn't I wasn't starting in the game, and so uh, while all the players were out playing or in the dugout, whatever, me and some of the other backups were in a room in the facility wearing masks, watching the game that was going on 
Oh, that's how you were watching it? Okay. So it was like, it's like kind of a bizarre situation, but obviously that's just, you know, the way it is where usually whoever's on the roster for the day is just out in the dugout. But for us, it's like, it depends, depending on the day, depending on who's playing, you know, some, some days you don't even show up to the show up to the game, but other times you're sitting in a room with your teammates with masks on watching the game that's happening. And you hear the crowd before the, like <laughs> before it comes on the, the yeah. so we hear the crowd and then we're like okay what's gonna happen and then we wait like with anticipation to see what's going on that is so <laughs> funny and they're they're keeping you pretty like you know restricted in the sense that you guys just go to the facility you work out or you play in the game and then you go home and there's not a lot else going on right yeah 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 there's not there's not much else we were supposed to do like be able to do like outdoor dining yeah but i guess that got that got pushed back a little bit from mlb yeah um, but thankfully, Big League Camp, we eat pretty well for breakfast and lunch, which is super, yeah. super. It's a lot different than peanut butter sandwiches in the training room. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different than Peoria. It's a little bit different than Peoria, that's for sure. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you is another guy that we forgot to touch on because I always, I don't forget about him, but he and I are like, you know, at odds always. Nolan Gorman. Love Nolan, never wanted to do social media with me, so he and I were always at odds. But he is definitely a guy that people are keeping an eye on, being a high prospect. And, and is how has he been doing at spring training, and how is it being reunited with him? It's awesome being reunited with him. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, obviously, you know, we signed Arenado, and so that was a big, yeah. big shock to him because it's the same position. But um, well documented that he showed up to camp early, went to second base immediately, and just started working. Yeah. So seeing a guy like him, such a young age, you know, having a good head over his shoulder and being super mature and, and professional and just going about his business has been awesome. Obviously, he's been doing well in camp. Yeah. Um, Do you think he's adjusting to second base well? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's adjusting to second base well. Obviously, a hard worker, too. So he's, yeah. he's putting his time in over there. Um and, and yeah, I mean, he, he uses advertised, you know, obviously he's, he's getting, he gets all the love that he does for a reason yes. and, uh, you know, he's, he's been living up to it. So good for him and I'm happy for him. And obviously he's one of my good buddies, yeah. so, um, hope nothing for, but the best for him. But yeah, I mean, his, his story and his career so far has been super well documented. Everybody's, you know, watching, watching him at, at, you know, close distance. So, yeah. um, to be able to see a kid like that with, with so much pressure and so much, you know so many eyes on him at all yeah. times. It's, 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 it's a lot, but I think Nolan handles it really, really well. He does. And people forget that he's young. You know, he's one of the younger guys that was signed and, and he, he takes it like a pro. That's for sure. Cause he's a grandpa at heart. I will say it. I'll be the first to say yeah, it. He is. I, we were just <laughs> talking about that. Yeah. He's an, he is an old man. He's an old soul at heart, <laughs> but and that's what I love. I love seeing like, sometimes I just, you know, I almost play like a little brother to him and try yeah. to you know, egg him on a little bit, but <laughs> Um, seeing, yeah, seeing him just like have fun and do, do goofy things, you know, when he just can let loose a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. But, uh, when it's on the field in between the lines, he's, he's all business as we know. And, and obviously the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Are you going to go golfing with him ever? Cause he's supposed to be pretty good. I heard he's kind of nasty. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't golfed in a, I haven't golfed in a while because, you know, I've been playing and everything yeah. like that. I didn't even bring my clubs out here, which I kind of regret. Yeah. Florida is different than California, though, so you can rent clubs. Oh, you can. Okay. So I've never even played golf where you can rent clubs. Like, that's how new I am. That's crazy. Yeah, so so I don't know if I want to go embarrass myself in front of Nolan, (laughs) but, hey, who knows? He might even he might even be offering to pay for it if he's willing to pay for the round. <laughs> there you go. Put that yeah, exactly. put that prospect that, money to use. 
well, you got to come down to Pebble sometime and play down here because I like I might be biased, but our courses I think are some of the best in the country. So I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny playing Pebble Beach if you if that's what you if that's what you're <laughs> That's what we are definitely gonna do then, since we yes, now have I'm, that in I'm, common. So I'm I'm very 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 down for that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to catch up. I know you're busy killing it out there, but um, it's been fun, and I'm gonna try and get out and see you guys. It's tough being that it's such a short spring training, but I'm hoping to get out there maybe um, at the end of the month, right before you head back, and so I can see you guys in person before everybody disperses into whatever direction y'all head into. Right, who knows, who knows where (laughs) we're headed, but yes, that would be awesome, that would be awesome. Absolutely, well thank you guys so much, and stay tuned, we have Jeff Jones coming up next. He is going to talk about both Tommy and Lars and everybody else on the Cardinals, let you know what this team is going to be like heading into the 2021 season and how good they really are. So stay tuned. All right, we have heard from a couple players that are at spring training and talking about what their life is like during this pandemic and playing baseball. But now we are going to get the perspective from someone who is there not playing the game, but rather covering it. Joining me now on the Sideline Sass podcast is Jeff Jones, the Cardinals beat writer for the Belleville News Democrat. And Jeff and I met in a very funny way a couple years ago, which I will tell that story as we get into the podcast. But welcome, Jeff, to the podcast. Thank you so much. This is a uh, this is a fun thing to do that is not like that is not transcribing or uh, or cleaning up my insights that I've had from standing out in the field over the last. <laughs> See, I'm glad to provide that kind of respite for you um, in this time of need. So I'm very very happy to be that person. <laughs> so why don't you tell me a little bit? Obviously, you're down there in Florida right now covering spring training. So first of all, what's it like in beautiful Palm Beach right now? It's nice. I, I think it's, you know, it's, what are we, it's like 79 degrees and the sun's out all day, right? It's pretty hard to complain. It, it is it is especially hard to complain about Palm Beach when uh, so I made the drive down here. And when I drove down, I pulled out of the parking lot behind my apartment building and pulled out of about nine inches of snow that was still on the ground when I headed down. So, (laughs) you know, it's really hard to complain about being in Palm Beach in general. Uh, There are definitely definitely challenges this year. There are definitely wrinkles into the standard plan, but uh, I think think we're adapting and figuring out the best way to, you know, to sort of make chicken salad as the same goes. (laughs) I gotta say, I am very much enjoying Derek Gold's Instagram posts through the fence, he is making this sort of creative collage of backfield baseball, and it's been hilarious to watch. What has it been like with the restrictions trying to catch, you know, anything, like watch anything at spring training this year? Yeah, it's been pretty impossible. <laughs> um, what, I, what I would say is that, and, and Derek and I actually were talking about this uh, yesterday, that, you know, one thing about covering baseball at spring training is that usually you're so close. I mean, we're talking about literally sitting in the dugout of the individual fields that these guys are on and, and standing around. You know, maybe we wouldn't be leaning on the cage. We'd be standing behind the cage right. while they were waiting. And now it's more almost in a lot of ways like covering hockey where you're many hundreds of feet away mm-hmm. uh, and you watch guys so much that just from like their body movements and, and the way that they run and the way that they throw 
you've learned what these guys look like now, right? Like I, I have a more I have a more intimate understanding of, of batting stances and the angle from which infielders throw baseballs than I could have ever imagined that I would have had before I came down here and tried to cover you know, tried to cover spring training from outside an outfield fence from, you know, what, four hundred and twenty feet away. It's like a new skill that you can add to your resume. It, yeah, that and also entertaining, you know, residents of Palm Beach who swing by the complex to watch spring training because I wouldn't say, but you know, we're not we're not segregated really from the public uh, when we're when we're out there watching things happen during the day. So lots of friendly locals swing by to chat us up, and we are always so very thrilled to make new fans. Well, I'm sure that's got to be good for the color in the stories that you're writing. It's uh yeah, it's it's been something you know the. The one thing I would say is that, and this is going to come as a big shock, uh, that the, uh, the the mask compliance in the state of Florida has mm. been a little bit of an adjustment. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of very friendly people who are very eager to talk to you. You know, you're outside, I understand. Yeah. Very eager to talk to you with no mask from about a foot and a half away <laughs> from your face. Uh, so there is a little bit of... A little bit of figuring out how to reassert your social distance. Um, also very fun to talk to Palm Beach locals who are eager to tell you that they're from New York. And it's like, yeah, buddy, like, I heard the accent. I know. Like, we're in Palm Beach and I heard you talk. I know Snowbirds. Where it's funny because you talk about these restrictions being very lax and and it's kind of a juxtaposition with what the Cardinals are actually dealing with inside the complex. We just had, you know, Tommy Parsons on the podcast and Lars and... And Tommy had, you know, very interesting things to say about their day-to-day in that they don't get to see people or be around people. They have pods, you know, they're part of. So they see those groups and the guys they live with. And then they're not allowed to do anything else. You know, like he wasn't even allowed to watch Adam Wainwright pitch today, which is something he wanted to do. Um, And I thought that was interesting because the Cardinals are taking a lot of measures to keep it very, very safe. And I'm sure this is across baseball. It is, and you know, I think the Cardinals, having gone through what they went through right. last summer, are right. a little more sensitive than the average team uh, to the risks here, which, you know, it, to some extent is ironic, because, you know, while I, I know that the science is obviously not settled on these things, but mm-hmm. the Cardinals have more people in camp with active antibodies than most camps do as well, okay. uh, just given sort of the signs of their outbreak. So it is interesting to see the, the, the degree to which they've been really strict about things and something that I, that I really wonder about as I watch these things, you know, listening to a guy like Tommy who has been at the lower levels and has kind of taken that jump at the higher minor league levels now, mm-hmm. I wonder how hard it is for a guy like that to make an impression because one of the things you can do in spring training when you have these big groups together is you also have like the big league coaches and you have the front office folks all right. kind of in the same time and watching the same guys. And so, while I'm sure that the coaches and the decision makers are doing what they can to see everyone, just by human nature, they're not going to be able to see everyone to the same extent as mm-hmm. they could in previous years. And so, you know, if you're a guy like Tommy or you're a guy like Lars and you're trying to make some impression uh, on the big league club, I wonder if that is just even an inkling more difficult in a spring like this where you are in smaller groups. Uh, being seen by the same people day in and day out. He did say that, you know, because we were talking about what happens next and and if they have any idea of what what's going to happen as far as where they'll end up and everything. And, and he said, you know, Emily, some of these guys have not been seen by club personnel since 2019. And that speaks to yeah. Delvin. That speaks to not so much Tommy and Lars who got, you know, to play up at the higher level last year and got to go to spring training. But 
Um, I do know that he said that every inning counts. So he was every every chance he gets to face to pitch. He said it's a job interview. It's basically going to determine where I end up. And and so he's ta- a lot of them are taking it very seriously. Nolan Gorman and Ivan Herrera, some of the most serious guys I've ever met. And he said that Nolan comes to the field, does his work, same with Ivan, and that's it. Like, And they're not allowed to do anything else. The only other thing they can do is golf, he told me. Um, they were originally supposed to be able to eat outside at restaurants, but that was kind of taken back, walked backwards so that now it's – it's this is it's a serious time. There's he said there's a lot less joking around and you know jovialness than than usual, which is something to get used to for young guys. But you're right, every every situation is important for them because it could be the difference of you know triple A to lower level. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and I think another interesting component of that is going to be, you know, there are probably some guys who will be better off getting assigned to double-A than triple-A. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to double-A this year, that's going to end up starting about three weeks later than the triple-A season is. And so that means three additional weeks of extended spring, which means three more weeks where you're at the complex in Jupiter around coaches and around decision-makers. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's not to say that, that the coaches at triple-A obviously aren't also involved in that process, but... As, as, as good as it is to perform for Ben Johnson, if you can perform for Jose Okendo, it's easy to imagine where that maybe ends up being a more direct a direct line to the big leagues, yeah. right? So it, it, it's, an, it's, an interest, it's an interesting sort of dilemma these guys are going to have. Yeah. Well, and we talked about, you know, I asked Tommy what he thought the difference is in the guys that he played with, you know, what he saw in their game that was different. Obviously, he said Delvin and he has put on a good, decent amount of weight and Delvin Perez always had issues with that needing to be stronger to hit the ball harder, but managing to keep his quickness. And then, you know, he said Nolan's much of the same. Ivan and Lars doing much of the same. Soto looking great. What have you seen from these young guys that has impressed you so far? I know it's only a little ways in, but is there anything that stuck out to you so yeah. far? Well, I, you know, I guess you can start with Tommy himself, right? Because Tommy Tommy Parsons is a guy who has climbed through the organization as, as an organizational pitcher, uh, has reached AAA, and, and, you know, is a guy who, in theory, could be coming up on an opportunity to pitch the big leagues. And he found himself in a spot uh, in their first exhibition game on Sunday where after Jack Flair, he kind of stumbled a little bit and had a rough outing in his first spring outing. Tommy got brought into a game with the bases loaded. Uh, it actually was asked in the post game when the last time was that he entered a game with the bases loaded, and he thought it was probably like maybe super sectionals in college or something. <laughs> uh, so, but, but, but had an opportunity to pitch in a big league game in front of you know against big league hitters with the big league defense behind him, and I think acquitted himself really well. He had a he had one at bat where the guy hit a line drive to third base and Nolan Arenado stabbed that and then fuck it off his glove and went to left field. Right. Uh, but otherwise, Tommy shut down and looked really impressive out there. And so that's been, you know, that things like that matter. Like, yeah. as, as tempting as it is to say it's the first spring training game, no one cares. Maybe, like, the global no one cares. But if you're Tommy Parsons, you care because that's yes. an opportunity to pitch in a big league team in front of guys who make these kind of decisions about your career. A hundred percent. And he actually said that after that play that you mentioned with Arnado, that that was one of only two interactions that he's had with Nolan. The first was when they were taking their, 
you know, initial COVID testing, sitting down, filling out paperwork, and they kind of said what's up to each other. But then after that play, Tommy was like, oh, you almost had that to him or something like that. And and Arnado was like, yeah, I really thought I did. And they had this kind of like fun little exchange. But other than that, he said it's really hard to get to know the veteran players, especially if they're not in your pod. And so I asked him, like, how are you, you know, how are you gleaming on to these major league pitchers and learning from them? And he said that a lot of times they'll sit there and just try and overhear conversations like he was sitting and listening to Wainwright talk to Jack Flaherty. And that was something they were that he and the other guys were just sitting, listening to them and kind of trying to gauge what they were saying and take it for themselves. So I thought that was interesting, you know, that they don't get that same interaction. Yeah, and it is, you know, it does take away some of the most important aspects of spring training. You know, when, you, when you're when you in the clubhouse in the morning, the early mornings in, in, spring, in spring training's past, mm-hmm. you see the importance of these guys grabbing their food and they sit at the table in the middle of the clubhouse. And, and sometimes there will be three or four guys who are playing, you know, a-ball or double-a-ball sitting together and eating breakfast because they know each other. Yeah. And then Adam Wainwright pulls up a chair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then Adam Wainwright starts talking, and then an hour passes. And yeah. these guys are just sitting there listening to Adam Wainwright talk. And there's, I mean, there's nothing that you can do to place a value on that kind of connection and interaction with the guy who's done everything you can do in this game. Yeah, and honestly, when he talks, you should listen because he's incredible. They have set up in basically what used to be like a little patio area where the media could wait and, uh-huh. and a little area off the side, but, you know, it's kind of a grassy area outside of the weight room. They have set up these big giant tents that are outside now that are there for eating uh, and, and, and there for, for guys to sort of congregate as much as they can. You know, they don't want them to be maybe as close as they would be inside, but at least a little bit of space to get together there. Yeah. It's good. Well, what do you think heading into the season of this Cardinals team? They seem to have a lot of talent just based on name power alone. Do you think that they're going to be the real deal? You know, it, it's they will go. It, it, it's interesting because with these Cardinals, what we've talked about for the last couple of years is whether or not they're going to get enough offense out of the outfield. But when you add a player like Nolan Arnott to your lineup, mm-hmm. what you're doing is adding a bat that plays essentially – no matter, you know, it, he plays third days, right? But the bat plays everywhere. Yeah. Um, so the question is, is more to me about what the pitching depth looks like. Because when you're looking at this NL Central, like, the Pirates are going to be bad. The Reds are probably going to be bad. Mm-hmm. The Brewers always need to do the tweaking that they need to do to be competitive. And they did that again this year. You know, you had Colton Long from the Cardinals, for example. Uh, I'm not totally sold on their pitching depth. But look, yeah. they've been they've been putting together with Brandon Woodruff and, and Scotch Tape and Glue for four years now, so maybe they can get it done. And the Cubs did it sort of the same way. The Cubs the Cubs pulled off sort of the Cleveland maneuver in the offseason where they, they, they basically tried to figure out how much salary can we dump and how many players can we shake off mm-hmm. and still be competitive. Yeah, uh, And that was the Cubs' strategy. And so the Cardinals, by adding Arenado so late in the calendar, kind of catapulted themselves into a spot where they look like a favorite. Now, yeah. a lot of that's going to depend on what happens with Miles Michaelis, who now is dealing with some some slow return uh, from his foster tendon surgery from last year. Uh, Kwang Yun Kim is scheduled to pitch tomorrow. He has also been on a somewhat slower program, but that may actually be just him on his own pace. So, We'll see if, if if they have enough guys who can get out mm-hmm. and if they can manage to maybe add one or two of those guys during the season. Then this, yeah, this to me looks like a 92-93 win team, especially in a not particularly strong division. 
Yeah, I like it. I it, honestly, it, lo- it feels that way to me as well. And what I'm excited about is the future of the club because having you know worked with these young guys in Peoria two years ago and seeing them work their way up, like these are good kids. So as if they stick around and they manage to be utilized the right way, the future of the club looks very bright. Which is something you can't say for a lot of teams because they don't put as much stock into that farm system. You know, and that's and that's something that. You know, when you talk about like what it, what Cardinal baseball is, mm-hmm. you like joke about Cardinal's devil magic. What that where that comes from is honestly that investment mm-hmm. in the farm system and sort of that overall commitment to one style of play, the bottom up. And actually, you know, we were talking. I forget even now who the player was. It might have been even. I think it was Tyler Heineman today, who was a minor league free agent, threw out a couple of guys as a catcher in today's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking to Bill Post game mentioned that part of what part of what happens at game speed is getting guys to all sort of think in the same direction right. and build that, that high line, that group line, and that's their goal, starting from the lowest levels up. And that, I think, makes a big difference when these guys are used to big leagues. The way that this team has been successful, and you know, while keeping a moderate to slightly above moderate payroll, I guess, mm-hmm. is to be able to promote from within. So that allows them to do things like move a player like Tommy Edmond, who has been in the organization and built up, yeah. Do a starting job now that Colton Long has moved on, and it allows them to do things like have a back end of the bullpen where you're looking at Hicks and, and Alex Reyes and, and Hennis Carrera, who granted would came over in a trade but has been in the minors. These guys who they have helped to develop, and, and now those are legitimate major league weapons. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm trying to get out to see you guys in Florida. May not work out, but I'm working on getting out there at the end of this month. And if not, I'm going to try and catch you in Cincinnati. But Either way, thank you so much for your insight. Thanks for coming on, and um, I'm going to catch up with you somewhere on the road soon. Happy to do it. I'm sure at some point the myriad travels will cross paths. <laughs> that's what that's what I like to think. At some point, we're going to cross paths again. But all right, guys, that's yeah. going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe and rate and review, and we will catch you down the road on the next episode of Sideline Sass. Stay sassy.